well, well. Good week to you. And uh, hi. And how are you? And it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. This is the program about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. My name is Cruz. My co-host is Ian Barry. Welcome to the program, my friend. How are you doing this week? Nice to have you uh, on. I think we got. I think we might need to turn your mic up a little bit. You sound a little. Uh, Say, say hey again. Hey, hey, hey. I don't see that works. So so welcome to show number eight or nine. See, I thought it was show number eight, but apparently I was just informed uh, before the show began. This is actually show number nine, which means in the stupor that follows the sampling of the beer and spirits in each show, I've lost a whole show somewhere. That's what it means. So, uh, so <laughs> it'd be, I it'd be scarier if we kept track of all the numbers. It really, really would, well. wouldn't it? Uh, well, welcome to another edition of Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We're on Radio Brave, and we're available in the podcast directory at iTunes. Just search Sip, Smoke, and Savor, or just Sip, Smoke, Savor will get you to us. This is a special show. We talked a little bit about this last week, and I do want to like give a, a big shout out to Mike at Friendly Fire Cigars, who was a gracious host last week where we did we the show. Uh, from there, we had such a good time, and Mike was such a good dude, and uh, he just like had like worlds of information about cigars. He's really, really a sharp guy. He's really, he's really into. He's real excited about it. Yeah, and knows plus, his boutique cigars really yeah, well. Plus, he's got know? a brand new shop. I mean, you got to be excited when you're getting yeah. in there and like, mm-hmm. and everything's rolling and money starts coming through the door instead yes, of going out. Instead the door. of just going out. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if I could work that out for my apartment, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a good thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, Friendly Fire Cigars is a uh, relatively new cigar lounge and shop, mm-hmm. and it is on Dairy Ashford. Road in Houston. Just north of uh, West Ham. We recommend them highly. We'll be doing more shows at uh, some other locations as the program rolls on. But today, we talked about this uh, last week. I'm very excited about this. Today, we have declared uh, IPA Day. on Otherwise uh, known as Cruise Day. Well, now, see, you're making me feel bad. We could have started with, like, one of your favorite styles and said we started with mine. But we'll be spotlighting different styles. Wait wait till we we get to Barley Wine Day. We're not walking out of here. (laughs) It's going to be a good day. Anyway, you look (laughs) at it i'm excited about all of these so uh so ipa is the most popular style of craft beer so we'll be talking about why and sampling a wide variety you know usually we sample one or two beers and one spirit during each show today because it's ipa day we're going to be sampling a wide variety across the ipa spectrum talking about them and talking about depending on what the characteristics are what IPA, anybody who's listening I dare say like. we actually have yep. more IPAs than we may be able to get to today. It is entirely possible. So we'll get we'll get started on that momentarily. But first, as we like to do in this uh, first segment, I have to ask you, did you smoke anything interesting this week? I smoked, uh, one of my standbys is a Nub Dub. Mm-hmm. Have you heard those before? Have you had I them? have. And you're a big fan of the Nub. Now, is, is the Dub a flavored Nub? Is that right? No. The no. Dub is a double Maduro. Oh. Oh, okay. That's what it is. So and you know, I love Maduro anyway. I love mm-hmm, the aged mm-hmm. wrappers, and I love I'm a the, fan the, of that as well. Yeah, and it's just such a big, beautiful, chocolatey kind of smoke. It's 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 almost like candy for anybody that's not familiar with the nub. They are appropriately named because they are short. What about three inches? Three and a half inches? Four inches? Four? It's okay. a four inch cigar, usually by sixty. But um, yeah, I was going to say, but it's a nice fat ring gauge. Right. And so the it's, the idea is made by uh, Oliva. Um, mm-hmm. Cigar company mm-hmm. And the idea was We're just going to take this cigar Right from the sweet spot Instead of having to light it And then wait until it gets down Far enough to where it develops Into its you know, sweet spot mm-hmm. And you really enjoy the cigar They just chop it off And say this is where the cigar starts At the sweet spot <laughs> Boom. Um, I'm not sure 
how much of that theory works, but I will tell you I've never had a bad nub. They are fantastic cigars. They're rolled fantastic. The construction is great. The the smoke is great on all of them. They're, um, even their Cameroon wrapper is such a nice, big, lovely smoke. Uh, but I like their Double Maduro. It's a big, huge, full-smoke, chocolatey flavor. Um and uh, and it goes great with almost anything you're drinking mm-hmm. because the flavor is just—it's not a harsh flavor. It doesn't leave a bitter aftertaste. Maduro has a little sweetness to it. Yeah, 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 def- yeah. well, yeah, definitely that chocolatey mocha mm-hmm. kind of uh, smoky flavor to it. So, so if it's a double Maduro, does that mean that both the wrapper and the binder yes. are Maduro, yes. and then the the interior of the cigar could be filled with you know different things depending Whatever on what, their blend is, what right. the blend is? Yes. Now, so. one of them, one of my absolute favorites is a Camacho Triple Maduro. I'll have oh, to I've had that. That's a good good. And that's where the wrapper, binder, and filler is all Maduro, and that's amazing. I will say this about Camacho. I used to smoke Camachos very regularly, and at some point about three to four years ago, I kept getting ones that wouldn't burn properly and just weren't that good. It was almost like I felt like they'd, you know, maybe gotten too big too fast and the quality hadn't been able to keep the quality of the cigars up. So I stopped smoking them because everyone I smoked I was disappointed in. And recently I've had a couple again and whatever that was, maybe I just was having a run of bad luck with them, or maybe something was going on. Whatever it was, it was over because the ones I've had recently That's have been nice fantastic. To be to yeah. I had noticed that. I just I smoked a lot of Camachos a few years back, and then uh, and then I just moved on to some other cigars. But I I'll always come back. I get that triple Maduro mm. really often. I've never had any issues. Um, but uh, and and. And it's such a great cigar. We'll, we'll save that for another time. Yeah. What did you have this week? Well, just before I go there, the nub dub. Uh, the nub dub how, what, what would be your final word on oh, it? Oh, my You're final ready? word. Oh, two thumbs up. Three two if I had up, them. Yeah. yeah. And as, as far as value to uh, the the quality versus price. Quality versus price. I have to write this down because right I get this wrong every week. <laughs> yeah. Quality, quality versus, versus price. price is, it's very high. Um, I I catch them on sale. Uh, if you can get it under five dollars, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is right about the right price. Uh, they're fantastic. If you pay six dollars for them, they're still good. So quality they're versus price, good. you would say on this is pretty high. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. high. All right, I'd say good. they're seven out of ten, probably quality versus price. Oh, nice. That's a, yeah. that's a good number. Well, I had a an absolute monster, fantastic cigar this week. I have to tell you, I had reasonably high expectations, and it even surpassed uh, those. I had Gotta bought love that. I had bought a uh, a box of ten. Of the cigar called Heisenberg, it's made by Casada, uh, the uh, the Casada uh, Cigar Company, which I've always liked their cigars. But the Heisenberg is a very interesting cigar. It's a perfecto. It's tapered at both ends, and it's made of a top secret mix of tobaccos, which really just means. We don't know what's in it because they don't tell us. So it's right. it's really interesting. You can kind of, I mean, it looks like a Maduro wrapper. It looks like it's got a, a pretty complex variety of cigars inside it. But it's named after the uh, theoretical physicist who formulated the uncertainty principle. His name was Heisenberg. A lot of people like me don't know that much about theoretical physicists, but we know that that's uh, that was kind of like the code name that Walter White took on uh, Breaking Bad. He took that name, uh, that was his sort of like code, like drug dealer name. He took that name in honor of Heisenberg, because Walter White was a, a, a scientist and a science teacher himself. But uh, I I looked up, because I'm not smart enough to know this myself, I looked up the uncertainty principle, which is also known as Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and here's what it says. So you tell me if you can understand this. 
Uh, in uh, It's an area of a variety of mathematical inequalities, asserting a fundamental limit to the precision with which pairs of physical properties of a particle, known as complementary variables, such as posi- position X and momentum P, can be known. Okay. Do you know how stupid I feel right now? <laughs> I have no idea what that means. So uh, apparently, in in more layman terms, it states that the more precisely the position of a particular particle is determined, the less precisely you can know what the momentum of that particle is. I, I'm not even sure I know what that means, but that's the Heisenberg thing. And among <laughs> among science geeks, it's a really, really big deal. And uh, this cigar, among cigar people, is a really, really big deal. As you might expect with something named Heisenberg, it's pretty complex. It smokes cool. It's expertly constructed. And here's the really cool thing. They're only about 7 to $8 a cigar. I say only. That's not necessarily cheap. But when you smoke this thing, it smokes like a $15 cigar. Nice. Easily. So um, I actually got a box of 10, and I think I paid more like 5 or 6 per cigar. Uh, I'll getting, swap one off Getting you, the box of 10. I would say it's about as good of an under $10, under $10 cigar as you could smoke. I don't know if I could think of something... In that price range that I would say. And I've never better. been disappointed with any of the Quesada they, cigars that they, I've No, had. they make great cigars. The construction was uh, was perfect. And uh, I would actually give this a nine or maybe even a nine and a half on wow. the uh, scale of quality versus price. It's not cheap, but it's worth every penny and probably more. I will just say if these were $12, $14, I would still buy them occasionally for like a, you know, Let's have something really great today, cigar. So I'm excited. I have I've smoked two of them. I've got eight of them left in the box. So. <laughs> I'm gonna have to come hang out with you. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, don't wait too long because you'll be like, what happened to the Heisenberg? I'm like, oh, he died in like uh, 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 no, but uh, but it's re- re- really quite good. And uh, you know, uh, we have a tendency on the show to talk more about cigars we really enjoyed than the ones we had that were just okay or were, you know, just kind of an everyday type of thing. But I do have to say, this is one of the better cigars I've smoked in a long time. Fantastic. And that's saying something coming off the cigar that both of us had last week when we were at Friendly Fire Cigars, that CAO um, Spark Plug. That was the Spark Plug. Which was fantastic. That was was fantastic. And I can't believe how well it went with that Moody Tongue uh, Baltic Porter. I actually went and bought some more of that. And how did it hold up, like, you know, not just in the tasting, but when you're opening one at home and drinking it? You know, I haven't haven't had the chance to try it yet. I just picked it up yesterday, so... So if I come over and I bring you a, a Casada cigar, we can delve into your yes. six-pack of yes, the Moody Town. I also have a few uh, bombers there to taste. Oh, see? This is what's great about doing this kind of a show is that we can uh, have drinks on the show and cigars last week as we were at a cigar lounge. Uh, and then we can plan to get together and drink and smoke. So it's a wonderful kind of – I love the way it all just weaves together. And I want to inspire that in people who are listening, too. You if know, I was, I was show, thinking with that, if we just bring our road kit yes. everywhere we hang out – And just go to just people's houses. just have a houses. surplus of shows. <laughs> just, <laughs> hi, it's Ian and Cruz. I don't know if you've heard of our show, but we're here to drink and smoke at your house. That's right. And we'll be recording it. So. <laughs> now, we do, though, want to encourage people – You know, if you're hearing the show, you're like, wow, IPAs, that sounds great. I like IPAs. Let this be an encouragement. Encouragement to you to get together with friends and enjoy the good life together with friends. That's really what the show is about. So we're Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll choose the first IPA to taste. And I kind of have an idea which one I think maybe the first one should be. So 
Uh, we'll get to that. Plus, on the show today, uh, partial victory in this cigar labeling uh, legal uh, thing. So we'll tell you about that coming up. Looking forward to hear about Sip, that. Smoke and Savor. Or in the studio, tasting IPAs. They're both good places to be. Although on the beach in Hawaii, tasting IPAs would be even better. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. You're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. This is show number nine, and we are glad to have you listening. And if you have found us on iTunes, what this show is about is that sound effect right there, which is not from a little sound effect box. That was actually Ian opening the first. Yeah, there's the sound effect box. Uh, <laughs> Bobby just rolled his eyes. Apparently, a lot of the shows that uh, that work out of the studio have been using that little sound effect box. And, of course, it's like the ultimate and like cheesy little sound effect boxes and so uh it it's worked out real well for bobby who said to hear them all playing with this thing this one so. only has 16 sounds i'm pretty sure i can find one that has double that oh excellent we'll work on that I'll for start next week on, so. uh, online there so it's the ipa show today we're going to uh we'll be talking a little bit about ipas the different styles we're going to debunk the ipa myth which a lot of people believe is how ipa was created and why it was named um and we will also be sampling um kind of across the spectrum of different styles of IPA, and I wanted to start with the one that you just heard Ian open, because this one is really special to me. I've mentioned this on the show before. Um, I was living in Texas in the late 90s, and I moved to uh, Boston, Massachusetts. A lot of great craft beer in the Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Maine, that whole northeastern corridor up there. A lot of great craft breweries up there, and um, it was... One of those things where, you know, when I had lived in Houston before, I still drank mostly mainstream beers, had an occasional Shiner Bach or maybe a, an Amber from St. Arnold, uh, you know, and would enjoy those, but I hadn't really made the transition to craft beer. And when I moved to Boston, um, Harpoon, which is a local brewery there in Boston, they were they had a tap in every bar you would go to. And their go-to beer, just like with Shiner, it's generally the Shiner Bach. That's their most popular. Well, the go-to for Harpoon was an IPA. And so, I, you know, just after you're going out and doing things and going to events and stuff, you're eventually going to drink a few of these. And I started not only drinking them, but started going, you know what, this is pretty good. And by the time I had lived in Boston for a few years, I was convinced this was the best beer in America. Like, <laughs> I was like nothing will ever top this. And I still like it very much, although... I don't. I, I'm not. Like, I'm not locked into it as my absolute favorite the way that I used to be. But this is basically the beer that converted me to um, drinking better beers or craft beers and got me interested in the whole thing and got me trying a whole bunch of different. So I wanted you to try this. This is the Harpoon IPA. And tell me, as somebody who doesn't have that whole background uh, that I have with it, what what is this? Uh, what does this taste like well, to you? You know, I believe at some point in time in my past, I may have tried this because I know the name pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just took a sip. The bottle itself says it's hoppy, floral, and crisp. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to agree with all three of those things. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has a lot of depth to the flavor. Mm -hmm. I think it's got a lot of hoppy right up front. It's got uh, a lot of... Uh, the finish is it, pretty clean. It smells mm -hmm. real nice. The finish is a little bitter on my tongue, mm -hmm. actually. It's not... Uh, 
not obnoxious, but it's a little bitter on my tongue. It's it's not a bad drink. I, uh, I imagine out of a tap, it actually smooths that out a little bit as well, too. And I think that the floral characteristics maybe kind of temper the bitter a little bit is probably one of the reasons why I was able to get into this at you know at first. Because when you first try IPAs, they can seem very bitter if you've had mostly, you know, pilsners or lighter ales and aren't used to that that much hop bitterness on your uh, on your palate. So, right. Uh, it's I I still enjoy going back to this every once in a while, and having one. And you can find them pretty much all over the country. They're not like they're not nearly as popular everywhere else as they are up in the northeastern corridor. But uh, you can find them. It's kind of like you can find Shiner Bach almost anywhere right. too. You know, uh, if you they may only have one uh, you know one little row of it at the at the liquor store, but you can usually find it even in other states. So anyway, I enjoy the Harpoon IPA, and I would say. It's a very good starter IPA if you're uh, just just kind of getting started uh, on on the style, or even just getting started in craft beer because it was my sort of like introduction. It was my gateway a, drug. It, so I was going to say it's a gateway IPA. Yeah. <laughs> I can go with that. Like I said, there's not there's not, not as much depth of character that I like in a beer overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if I'd go out and buy this one again, but it's it's a nice beer. I certainly wouldn't turn it down uh, if you had one, and I'd be much happier with that than over a lot of uh, macro brews and things like that. And I will say, as as IPAs go, it's also very drinkable. As yeah. someone who lived in Boston and drank a great many of them, after having the a, time, after having so. a few mouthfuls of it too, I'm noticing there's a very dryness on the tail mm-hmm. end of this, and I actually kind of like that too. Yes, I uh, do. it doesn't leave you smacking your uh, smacking your tongue, but it leaves you you know going maybe another sip would be nice. So, uh, Ian, why don't you go ahead and uh, open us another one? And I want to go over just briefly the different styles of IPA and what, uh, uh, according to, I I found, that was nice, by the way. I found several uh, different articles online that claim to lay out the different styles of IPA. Some said there are five, some said there are ten, some said there are three. I settled on one. The article I like best said there are nine. So I want to share these nine styles uh, with you. The English IPA is the original style That's the most of IPA. British IPAs are usually hoppy golden ales. Um, meantime, India Pale Ale, Marble Lagonda IPA, those are listed as examples of that. And I think that like... Um, uh, what uh, bass? I think bass ale is this type of IPA. Is it not? It's it's a little darker, but it's uh, it isn't a more traditional. Bass, yeah, bass English is a pale IPA. ale. And and what happened with India Pale Ale is they dropped the name India after mm-hmm. a while, a lot of times, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, just called them pale ales. Right. So the it gets a little blurry. The lines right there where a pale ale actually isn't an India Pale Ale. Because some of my favorite things that I think of as IPAs are, are actually really just called pale ales. Right. So it's it, it, you're right. It's a little blurry and it's interesting. Well, the English IPA was the first. The West Coast IPA, which is named for the amount of these that are brewed up and down the California coast in Washington State, um, this was invented in California Seemingly, the article says, by about five brewers at the same time. We'll all take credit for it. Uh, But it takes its inspiration from British IPAs, but using American hops. It uses a lot of the American, what they call the American sea hops, Cascade, Citra, and Chinook. And it gives it a very uh, very citrusy aroma, verging on pine. And uh, that is an extremely popular. In fact, if you go to California, you'll discover there's 
more West Coast uh, IPAs than you could ever imagine. You see ones you've never heard of uh, popping up in bars and in you know uh, stores and everything mm-hmm. over there. Then there is the East Coast IPA, which is the third style. It's a relatively new style, according to this article, uh, based on the West Coast with one fundamental difference, and that is yeast, where California brewers use uh, clean, almost flourless yeast to focus the drinker on the hop and the flavors. The East Coast brewers like using mutated, complicated British yeast. And these produce lots of different smells and flavors as they ferment the sugar, usually stone fruit, banana, tropical notes, which the brewers use then to top up the hop aromas. So uh, they say that with this flavor boost, they can use fewer hops. So the beers are a little less bitter, but they also leave the beer more cloudy and they give it a cloudy look and a pillow-like texture. So uh, they mentioned Alchemist, Hetty Topper, Treehouse Julius, and Other Half Citra IPA as three examples of that. I don't think I've ever had any of those three. Um, the next one is the Double IPA, and we have a double we'll be trying here. Well, and both of those IPAs are considered an American IPA. That's correct. The right. West Coast and the East Coast, both right. considered American IPAs. Uh, the Double, they say as drinkers got used to the bitterness of modern IPAs, some started to get bored with them, bored with them, and so they started saying, you know, the call went out for more, more hops. Yes. More. And so the Double IPA was born. Uh, the headiest smells, the driest finishers. Uh, brewers made stronger beers. They give examples here. Uh, the Firestone Walker, Double Jack, and the Coldwater double IPA. Uh, We are going to be tasting in just a little while the um, St. Arnold Endeavor, which is a double IPA. IPA. It's advertised as bold and hoppy. Then, and I'm anxious to get like all the way through the show and actually make sure we are still standing up well enough to try this, the triple IPA. The triple Uh, IPA. And what's the triple that you brought? It's a stone, right? Uh, I don't think... Ruin 10. Ruin 10. You showed that to me. I don't think I've ever seen a Ruin 10 before. I brought two different triple IPAs. I brought the Ruin 10 by Stone. Okay. And I brought the Devil Dancer by Founder. Oh, okay. So to be a triple, basically it takes the double and just like makes, you know, the uh, alcohol content is higher, the hops are higher, and the triple IPAs are pretty serious these, IPAs. These go to 11. Yes, they do. Uh, the Session IPA uh, is uh, one of the more recent additions to this. And the concept behind uh, the session is, okay, the doubles and the triples are great, but if you're going to be drinking several or drinking for a while, you may want a beer with a slightly lower alcohol content. <clears throat> and so the session I, I, is designed... I don't designed, understand why you want to... Uh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the session is designed so you can drink all day. And you, you one of the ones that they uh, mentioned, which is the Founders All Day IPA, mm-hmm. uh, is a beer that I know you really like. I, I like that beer a lot. I haven't found anything for Founders I don't like. Yeah, Founders is, Founders is very, very good. Uh, the final uh, categories, the Black IPA, the Belgian IPA, and the Grapefruit IPA. And so we'll talk a little bit more about those styles as we go. But it's time to taste. Now, this is a session ale, uh, isn't it? Is that, is that right? This is the... Um, Oh, it's called the Meta Modern Session IPA, and I believe this brewery is from Austin, Texas. It's the Oasis Texas Brewing Company. So this is going to be a little bit lower alcohol content and designed to be a little lighter while still being hoppy. You've already taken a sip. What do you think? I have. It's got 
really, it's actually almost crisp on the front. Now, I like this a and lot. And you can smell the hops from a mile away wow. on this one. I like this a lot. It's very citrusy, uh, very, very delicious. Yeah, the citrus is mm. all over the place on it. I'm a big fan of the IPAs that are heavy into the citrus. I think it makes them uh, more sessionable, and, uh, and, an, and it kind of like uh, helps keep the hops from being too bitter. There's an odd little dankness on the end of it, mm-hmm. too, that's... That's kind of nice in a good way because you don't expect it there. So, as a guy who likes heavier stuff, what do you think of something lighter like this? This I can drink. This has got this. I would have to <laughs> after a few of these, I'd have to have a glass of water because they leave my <laughs> mouth a little astringent. All right. <laughs> well, that might but be true. Good. For, that they're might good. be true for anything uh, that's that's really hoppy like this. Right. So, all right. So we've tried two IPAs so far. We have more to come. Plus, we'll debunk the IPA myths and. Partial victory in the cigar labeling debate coming up. It's all right. Welcome back. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the show that's about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. My name is Cruz, my co-host Ian Barry. Uh, thank you for joining us for the show. While you're opening the next... There it goes. Yes, I like it. Sometimes that last little part is, you know, delayed a little bit as you open yeah. the can. So. I, had to, I had to recenter yeah. my hand. <laughs> uh, while we're opening that, we we were mentioning uh, during the break that um, after you know sitting for a moment with the last beer that we tried, which the was Meta from Austin, IPA. the Meta Session Meta Modern Session IPA, that we were picking up the grapefruit uh, notes grapefruit, on, on the very finish. much on the back end. Yeah, which I liked more than you did. No, I, I don't, I don't I, like it at all. I feel like I, I need to really brush my tongue. I really like the citrusy stuff. That works for me. It, <laughs> when, the times that I feel like I need to brush my tongue is when the hops are so like thick that they're almost chewy. You know, right, right. which isn't that kind of beer at all. That's a much like see. I refer to that as like chewing IPA. on a pine cone when they're that thick. Yes, yeah. You've mentioned that on the show, and I, I like that analogy very much. <laughs> right. Hey, before we taste this next beer, I just wanted to share with you that uh, I just saw this uh, this morning. Was very excited. Tobacco companies have won a partial victory in the fight against the U.S. Food and Drug Administration uh, regulation, as a judge ruled uh, recently that a label change on a tobacco product does not mean the agency should consider it to be new. Before, uh, under the way that the law, the new regulations existed, you could take a cigar that had been around for years, say, uh, say the Fuente people wanted to like repackage the um, Opus X, or they wanted to right. repackage the uh, Hemingway short story. It, just the repackaging would make it considered to be new, and it would require all these approvals and regulation. You know, it ha- all these jump through all these regulations. That's hurdles. a lot of bureaucracy so, to get right. through. Exactly. So, U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta in Washington D.C. ruled in favor of three different cigar companies who, along with their subsidiaries, had filed a lawsuit against the FDA. The tobacco companies, which are the three largest in the U.S., uh, claim that the FDA's requirements violate. The First Amendment protections of commercial free speech. And they additionally argued that the rules under the 2009 Tobacco Control Act are too restrictive. At the heart of the lawsuit was whether 
you know, changing the color of a logo or something like that uh, would deem the product new and make it a candidate for the costly and time-consuming pre-market approval process. The judge said a modification of the existing label does not result in a new tobacco product, and therefore it doesn't uh, do that. So he did rule, however, that a change in quantity in the product's packaging. So if you we're doing boxes of 20 and you wanted to change to boxes of 10, that that would constitute hmm. a new product and uh, that it would need FDA approval. So that's why they're basically labeling it as a partial victory. So we'll keep you posted right. as the cigar companies continue to uh, try to fight some of this new and, and, and very heavy-handed uh, regulatory stuff that's been handed down. So, so I, right. have, I have here in my hand the 11 Below Brewing. Colorblind Red IPA. And Eleven Below is a Houston, Texas brewery, is it not? I believe so. I think so. that's right. I, yes. I, they're not one of the better known ones. I think they may be relatively new. The <clears> first <throat> time I tried this was at the Houston Beer Fest. Oh, yeah. Which was held at Jones Plaza here, mm-hmm. and uh, there were exactly three breweries there. Oh, and they were one of them. And they were one of them. So, so you probably to... tried everything they had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to try it. They also make one called an Oso Bueno, which is... Oso bueno, by the way, yeah, if you speak it, any Spanish. It, yes. It's quite good. But so this, this is, is a red IPA. The what do, colorblind what can you tell red IPA. Well, the, the color on it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, not it, a super clear... Uh, it's not you know super clear right through it or anything. So is a red IPA kind of a combination of like a, a more traditional red, like a Killian's red type of beer and an IPA? Or is it simply named this because of the actual color? Do you know, Ian? I don't know. I think the it's to the question. I think it's the hops that they use. Uh, okay. The, the, I'm sorry. The hops, the malt that they use, the that malt gives okay. it the rich, uh, the red well, this color. Certainly smells uh, lovely. This is uh, this is one I've actually had this before, and I have enjoyed it. It mm, Doesn't leave good. a bitterness on the end. It's got a little sweetness to it too that you don't usually get in yes, a lot of IPAs. That's really good, and so. I taste that that uh, sweetness. So, that's, what do we know about Eleven Below? Uh, you obviously uh, saw their. Some of the guys maybe at that beer fest. This is a well, uh, you know, they were so busy because there were only three breweries represented there. They were so busy that there was no time to talk to anybody. Oh, yeah. They had uh, they had a crew of people there serving the beers, and then they obviously had um, they had a representative from each uh, brewery or two. But mm-hmm. they were so busy because I think sure. uh, I think they were expecting more than three breweries to show up. They were so incredibly busy that everybody was slinging beer, and they were standing there, you know. Just and you were probably thinking, let's get as much beer as we yeah, can. All, all it was all when you walked out. up. Yeah. When you walked up after standing in line, the lines went really fast, but they were yeah. long. And when you walked up, you know, it was like, what are you having? Here you go, gotta go. You know, it was one of those things. So, uh, so I didn't bother uh, chatting them up a whole lot because we didn't have time. They obviously didn't have time. They were just trying to get their beer uh, moving and stuff. But I enjoyed it. I tried, uh, I think, four of their. Uh, beers while I was there. I well, had a we'll, good time at that. We'll have to reach out to these guys, and uh, if anyone from uh, 11 Below is listening to the show, you can contact us, sip, smoke, and savor at gmail.com. We'd yeah. love to talk to you, come do a tasting of, uh, have you come in and do a tasting of some more of your beers as well. You can always Facebook message us as well. Absolutely, yep. It's facebook.com slash sip, smoke, and savor. I think this red IPA is really good. It's definitely the hoppiest of the ones we've tried so far. This one's got some malt up front, though, mm-hmm. you'll notice when mm-hmm. you take a when you take a sip. So it's not just a hop slap across the face. Um, 
We'll get to those. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're working our way up to those. I actually like the finish on this. Uh, I like this one a lot better than the last one we tried because the finish is cleaner to me. It doesn't leave me with a a really uh, bitter taste on the back of my Mm -hmm. tongue. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe that's just obviously a personal preference, but I do like this. This one I would buy. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty good stuff. So, okay, so uh, we'll move on from that one then to uh, the brewery from Conroe, Texas, Southern Star, uh, and this is their new IPA. Now, I have it on good authority that the uh, brewmaster at uh, Southern Star is the guy who originally formulated the St. Arnold Elissa when he worked for St. Arnold, and he was uh, you know Elissa. If you were anywhere. Even close to the Houston area, Alyssa's kind of one of those, you know, you know, legendary IPAs, I guess you might you say. You know, so. over at the Ginger Man, they used to have, I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have the Alyssa on a cask. On a cask. They had a cool. cask-conditioned Alyssa. Uh, they would have to draw it from the keg. It wasn't a traditional uh, CO2-fed keg. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, they walk over there and had to pump it from the keg with a traditional draw. And um, a very low carb, and man, that stuff is so good. Mm-hmm. It's wow. so good. Well, the guys at Southern Star have the Pine Belt, which is their uh, sort of very, very hoppy IPA. Yeah. Uh, and it is a little bit darker, a little bit more. It comes in like a taller can, um, and you buy them in four packs instead of uh, six. So I was interested to see this one come out. It's the Southern Star Conspiracy Theory. Uh, IPA, and uh, I think it maybe is designed to be a little lighter, slightly more sessionable, maybe than the Pine Belt. Because Pine Belt's a pretty Pine Belt, pretty hefty is, beer. It's well uh, apt to its name. Remember earlier I said chewing on a pine cone. Mm-hmm. That to me is that's what Pine Belt does. And a lot that, of people think Pine Belt. They think of like that Conroe area because that's where you really start right, to get into the pine trees. Pine so trees, yeah. yeah, in Texas, the so. pine forest up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my uh, favorite beers by them is the uh, Buried Hatchet. Oh, that's, like, that's that's the stout, which is fantastic. That is, I think, uh, as much as I don't really uh, care for the Pine Belt IPA, their Buried Hatchet might be one of the best stouts out there as well. So, never fear, Ian. We will do a Porter and Stout <laughs> show. I promise. Yeah, I know you're. I know you're going to love it. So, tell me about your thoughts on this uh, conspiracy theory IPA. I, I will say that I've had this before, and I'm actually enjoying it a little more today here in the studio than I did before. Before, I found it to be a little bitter on the finish for my particular palate, but uh, but today it's going down pretty I, I suspect that that uh, Meta Modern uh, was mm-hmm. was so bitter on the back end. <laughs> so that's, yeah. again, my my thoughts was so bitter on the back end that you don't even taste it on this. This is actually a lot more balanced mm-hmm. um, than some of the other ones we had. The, uh, the hop was way up front on the uh, harpoon and then had... Mm-hmm. Uh, very little on the back end. Uh, the Meta Modern, I thought, had way citrusy on the back end. That's what um, I liked. So uh. right, um, the Color Blind had a lot more malt up front. This one seems that to was be the more red IPA. right. Right, that was the Red IPA from Eleven Below. This one seems to actually have more balance from head to toe on this one. It has uh, a little more. It has definitely hop up front, a little bit of malt in the middle, and then the finish is less bitter than the rest. I would. I would session this one. This one's really that's very interesting. Nice, yes. Now this is one I've had trouble um, ha- because I've had a bit of this, 
And I've had trouble smoking a cigar while I drink this because the particular way that the um, that the hops uh, sort of lingers and the bitterness I could seems see. to not work with a cigar very well for me. Not that every beer has to, but you know, just as somebody who loves cigars, that's always something I'm looking for. Like uh, when I'm evaluating a beer, like could I enjoy a cigar with this or not? Would this only be for other times? You know, I could see because this has a different kind of bitterness on the tail mm-hmm. end. It's not quite as lingering, but I could see where it might interfere with a cigar flavor a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. So almost leave a little bit of bite on your tongue at the yes. end of that. Uh, I I originally thought this might be a limited time item when it first came out, but I don't think it is because it's actually been out now for a while. I want to say I first saw this like in the spring, uh, and it's been out now for the spring and summer, so I'm wondering if this is a, now a new year-round product from Southern Star. I don't know. I, almost, I, I just took the last sip of mine, and it almost mm-hmm. has a little... Um, You're digging this one, aren't you? Yeah, it almost has like a little banana or bready kind of flavor mm-hmm. to the very tail end of it. I, I know what you're I know what you're so, speaking of. It, I think it I will really actually does, probably so. be buying this one. Well, see, that's that's what the show is about. See, we introduce you to these other kinds and you try to figure out what ones based on the way we're trying to describe them would fit your taste profile uh, the best. So we found one that I think Ian made. I still can't be an IPA head. I'm not gonna be like you. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, you know, I like your beers. I love the porters and the stouts. I don't give you a hard time about them, but no. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and be back with more IPA tasting. Plus, uh, the new survey is out by Cigar Aficionado, the best-selling and most popular cigars of 2016. So we'll have that <laughs> coming up. Back to sip, smoke, and savor. My name is Cruz. This is Ian Barry, and he's opening our next beer. While you do that, uh, Ian, while you pour this, and what are we having next? By the way, oh my gosh, I can smell that immediately. This is the Stone Delicious. Stone Delicious. Boy, I don't know if any company knows IPA more than Stone. These guys make like nine of them. Okay, so you know, I know you make fun of me because I'm not like the IPA guy or whatever. Right. But Stone, if you ask me, makes the best IPAs. Stone and um and a Dogfish Head. They're ninety minute yep. IPAs. Oh, that's a so, fantastic beer. So hits it on the uh, so hits it on head, so to speak. But this is the Stone Delicious IPA. It has lemon drop and Eldorado hops. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see how that. I'm going to go ahead All and right. pour this. Talk While you me. pour this, let me give you the 2016 best selling cigar brands. This is from a brand new survey just out that Cigar Aficionado did by polling retailers around the country. Uh, the number one best selling brand. With 52% of the retailers responding that it was their best seller was Arturo Fuente. Padron was number two. That's apparently a reversal of last year where Padron was number one and Fuente was number two. I wouldn't be surprised if they were chasing each other a lot because those are both fantastic. In third place, Rocky Patel. Fourth was Ashton. Romeo and Julieta was number four. uh, Oh, tied for four with Ashton. And then tied at sixth, Perdomo and My Father. Yeah. Uh, so the my father cigars have come on really, really strong. Davidoff at eight, Oliva at nine, and number ten was Monte Cristo. And uh, so it's really kind of an interesting. Um, I'm a little surprised that Davidoff is ahead of Oliva because uh, just because of the price point. I wonder if it's because there are so many Davidoff stores. 
around the country. And they are great cigars. They are good cigars. Their Winston Churchill series Mm -hmm. is beautiful. And, you know, Davidoff every year comes out with a, uh, a more robust a uh, cigar like a new addition to their line is a more robust right. cigar. Even though most of the Davidoff line, if you go and look at it in the store, there's so many cigars. Most of them are fairly mild, but when they come out with a uh, more robust cigar, it's it's usually a whopper. So, yeah. um, the hottest brands, and this list was based on um, ones that retailers say their customers request the most often, are Tua Fuente. At number one, Padrona at number two, just like the other list. But at number three, Liga Privada. Uh, came in at number three. So that's interesting because that's kind of out of nowhere. My father at number four, the Fuente Fuente Opus X by itself earns <laughs> right. the number five uh, position. And then Monte Cristo, Perdomo, Rocky Patel, Ashton, and Romeo and Julieta. Those are the ones that people are I'm surprised Drew for. Estate's not on the. On the I'm a little there. surprised too because I'm a Drew Estate fan. I, li- yeah, I yeah. like their cigars very much. So anyway, My wife actually to likes about. Drew Estate's. Uh, Sometimes I get the question, you know, uh, do women smoke cigars? Mm-hmm. Yes, my wife actually likes mm-hmm. uh, likes cigars. She doesn't want a, a big Churchill. She right, want, right. You know, yeah, seven by you know fifty or seven by sixty cigar. But she does enjoy some of the small cigars. And the uh, the acid by Drew Estate, the mm-hmm. natural mm-hmm. by Drew Estate are uh, some of her favorites. Now, of course, those have a little flavor on them as well. But she's had some other. Uh, cigars that I've had. She just likes the smaller size cigars because she doesn't want to commit as much time to that it. That makes sense. Uh, plus, there's something, uh, I don't know, seeing a woman with a really big fat cigar, that's a different vibe, I think, than you're expecting. You sort of expect, <laughs> if you see a woman who's smoking a big fat cigar instead of a little ladylike cigar, you'd almost expect her to open up her mouth and say, uh, Hi, nice to meet you. You know, <laughs> I don't. Maybe I don't mean to stereotype, but uh, but there it is. So the Stone IPA. This is the Stone Delicious IPA, and it says on the bottle here: India Pale Hail with lemon drop and Eldorado hops. So this is my first time to taste the Stone Delicious, although I've had several of their others, and uh, you just took the first sip. What this is think? this is my first time to taste this, and I you can smell and taste the lemon Boy, right off the front. There's a sweetness to it Boy, too. That's Good. Like you'd expect it to have more bitter off the front, but there's mm-hmm. a sweetness to that lemony kind of uh, aroma slash flavor. The finish is probably faster than mm-hmm. any stone brew yes. that I've ever had. Because like usually they have the instantly. very lingering finishes, yes. right? And this has a little, uh, a bit little of that lemon that you can get in the, the lemon, there. a little mm-hmm. bitter to the end of the finish, almost a little grapefruit on the very end as mm-hmm. well. But it's gone quickly, and it doesn't linger and leave you uh, smack your lips. This is interesting. Mm, so you have not had this one before, have you? I've never had that one. This is 7.7% uh, alcohol by volume, so it is definitely one of the you know, sort of bigger, bolder uh, sort of ales. But uh, um, There's a spice to this almost right in the middle mm-hmm. of the flavor. Like this, see, again, this is a stone brew, so it has a full balance. Like you get the beginning, you get a full middle in it, and you get the end. And in the middle of it, there's kind of a spice that I taste right on the edge of my tongue that's, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's not not like coriander, and mm-hmm. like it, but it's a spice that I can't quite uh, place. I'm going to have to keep drinking it to figure this out. <laughs> that's one of the best things about uh, these tastings is sometimes. 
uh, these beers don't reveal themselves to you in full in the beginning, and you have to continue to drink in order to uh, enjoy them uh, to the fullest. Uh, I will say that we're kind of trying to move through these uh, according to level of intensity, starting with some of the lighter uh, IPAs, and so we're now a little more than halfway through. So if you're wondering about you know IPAs that have a little more bite to them, the Stone is definitely one of those. I mean, it's yes. a full flavored IPA, no question. This about is it. not Fisher Price, my first IPA. This is, uh, and I don't think I've ever had a Stone. Even their Session IPA is pretty serious, yeah. you know. Uh, and you can go on to some like the Ruination, and you brought this Ruin Ten Triple IPA, which we'll get to in a few minutes. That uh, you know, I'm hoping I can make it home. You know, uh, thankfully I have the Uber app on my phone, and that's a very. I would like to point out too that uh, though I like the Stone Brews, I think this is one of their lighter beers at seven point seven percent. Yeah, you're right because some of them are even or even bigger. Even, <laughs> the Ruin Ten that I brought, I'm looking at the bottle here, is ten point eight. Yeah. So. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and move to the next one, which is one from Houston's St. Arnold Brewery. And this is one that they started making uh, several years ago. It's been popular enough that they've kept it around in Bombers, and I now have located it in cans. It's the St. Arnold Endeavor. I'm kind of excited about that, actually. I really enjoyed this uh, particular beer. Um, Anyway, I've had experience with the Bombers. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. we have uh, the Endeavor is a double IPA, so we've now yes, officially IPA. moved to the doubles. We're which making is kind the of big step up. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, real pretty. Real, uh, it real really clear is. What color is what well. color would you call that? It's got a little it's bit a of reddishness to it, but it's more yeah, of a dark that's, amber. That's a yeah. dark amber. Yeah. Like the stone that we had before is very pale, very very, very yellowish yellow, yeah. in comparison to this, and a which little is less clear, almost orange. This, and, and yeah, this amber, is a dark yeah. amber, almost orange, like you said, mm-hmm. and very clear. The uh, it's, it's beautiful to look at. All right, so uh, let's 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 try for the taste. Even though I think both of us have had this before, it's been a while since I've had an Endeavor. So and the Endeavor, I think, is one of their uh, more fun, uh, more fun beers. And there. I'm assuming um, because there is a uh, space shuttle on the can that this is actually named after the space shuttle Endeavor, which yes. makes sense for being a, a space city Houston. Product. Yes, it has it has Saint Arnold, it has uh, a Texas as the sun in the background, mm-hmm. and then the <laughs> the the, uh, the spaceship Endeavor, and then a constellation of a beer bottle. This is, right. This is described as bold and hoppy. There's not much on the can. Uh, a lot of times, one of the things I love about drinking a Saint Arnold beer is reading the beer description on the uh, bottle when it's a bottle right, beer. Right. Uh, but this doesn't really have a description on the can. It just says double IPA, bold and hoppy. I'll what give it think? my description. It's very hoppy. This yes. one is very much in the middle. Like it doesn't slap you in the front. And it doesn't linger that long in the back, but the flavor is all very much in the middle. You you get a lot of the malty flavors in it as well, which is probably one of the reasons I like this particular it's a pretty serious um, beer. Yeah, it's big beer. Yeah, that's there's no doubt. You don't you don't just walk in and go, huh? I think I'll try something new today. And coming from you know drinking nothing mm-hmm. but the the standard macro brews, this is this is for someone who really wants a nice big full flavor. I don't know that this is a sessionable beer just due to the alcohol content and everything mm-hmm. else, uh, but I can I know from experience I can drink a bomber by myself and be quite happy after I'm done. And by the way, we're not even thinking about taking down all of this beer as we do the show. <laughs> I just wanted to kind of point out to people, you know, we're not like polishing these off as we do these tastings, as 
much as I might enjoy doing that, uh, <laughs> we're trying to be responsible here and move through these uh, so that we can be, you know, can can be pretty honest and open with the tastings and and you know, because after a while. Let's be honest, almost everything tastes good. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the way that it works. Um, well, the fact that St. Arnold is available as a double IPA and in cans might make it possible for more people uh, to try the Endeavor uh, than than before. You know, some people are intimidated by the bombers. I yeah. was for a long time, and then finally I just got over it and started well, buying the some. Problem with the, the only problem with the bombers is 22 ounces of beer most of the time, and, and that's a big beer. And especially with the Endeavor, which is also a big beer, mm-hmm. so when you're uh, when you're drinking that much of a big beer and you're committed to it, once you open it, I mean, beer doesn't store well in the fridge. It doesn't mm-hmm. store well outside of the fridge, so you kind of are committed to that bottle. Okay. Um, so almost any time you have a bomber, you're having it with a friend, right? You know, it's a, unless a it's beer. something a little more sessionable. Well, I was going to say I will open though, uh, and I did not bring one of these, although we've had it on the show before. But I will open a uh, Lone Pint Yellow Rose bomber. Yes. And polish that bad boy off by myself because that's like the greatest beer ever. So. That's when you say, "Honey, I'm only having one beer." Tonight. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, so, Ian, um, we're going to take a break here in just a second. But so far, give me like an overview. Like, what do you like the most? What are you What are you leaning towards? And and uh, I know you liked the Southern Star a lot. The conspiracy the, theory things idea. that I would buy again. Um, I you know I I. I love St. Arnold's uh, Brewery. I think they're uh, great. Their Endeavor is a guys, is a too. great beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a sessionable. As far as a sessionable beer, um, definitely the Southern Star Conspiracy Theory is very sessionable. I would buy that again. The Colorblind from Eleven Below is one that I would buy again mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the other two weren't my favorites. Uh, I certainly wouldn't turn them down if someone said, "Here, here's what I got." That's you know that's good beer as well, and I but would, I would say if I was going to pick one, nah, it's probably the Southern Star today so far. And see, I'm like in a completely different place. I'll be buying the Meta Modern Sessionable IPA and the Stone Delicious. So the Stone was quite good. It's all well. coming up. It's sip, smoke, and savor. Last segment coming up. We try the dub, another double and the or is it two triples? We have two triples coming up. Coming up. Okay. I love that jam. Isn't that the greatest? The Suffers, man. Those guys rock it. They just rock it. You're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It is the show that's about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. My name is Cruz. My uh, partner is Ian Barry. This is uh, episode number nine, as far as I can remember. Yes, I believe that's correct. I I just want to let you guys know you can hit us at facebook.com slash sip, smoke, and savor. And one of the things we're getting better about is posting like some photos of the beers, and so that if you're looking for these, uh, the beers and the spirits, you can uh, find them. I've been uh, trying to take a picture every time I'm drinking or smoking something, Mm -hmm. even if it's in the same night. And then I post it on a different day, so if you check the Facebook every day, Mm -hmm. it just looks like I'm a... All I do is drink and smoke. I was just about to say, I've been doing that as well, and my my uh, phone is running out of memory. So uh, I don't know what that means, but uh, uh, I keep saying it's because, oh, I downloaded all those apps. But I think it may not actually be that. So um, Cigar pictures. want to uh, just very quickly uh, mention that the classic IPA story has been a bit debunked. And we t- mentioned that we were going to talk about this. So India-style pale ale. This is our IPA special show, by the way. We're tasting IPAs all over. 
the way India through the show. Pale yeah. Ale. And you can find uh, this show and our others uh, on the uh, in the iTunes uh, podcast directory. India so. Pale Ale's been around for about 175 years, by the way. The classic story is that it was created by brewers in the UK who wanted to ship barrels of beer to English troops that were stationed in India. And they were tired of... Uh, stale porter, basically, because by the time the porter would arrive, it wouldn't be as good anymore because it took a while to get it there back in the day. I remember uh, hearing that story. So taking advantage of natural preservative properties found both in hops and the higher alcohol by volume, uh, a brewer named George Hodgson of the Bow Brewery in London created a stronger, more bracingly hopped beer style to survive the journey. It was such a hit in India that the Brits started drinking it themselves and calling it India Pale Ale. That's the story. But apparently, that is not actually true. There is some truth in there. Yes, there is. There absolutely is. But that is not necessarily the origin of IPA. Martin Cornell, or Cornell, I'm sorry, a British historian who's been studying beer academically for decades. You think, what we do is a little weird. This guy <laughs> studies beer academically. Uh, his findings not based on popular opinion, but actual historic data. Primary we, sources, we study old it from brewery the log books. Yes, uh, he says IPA was not knowingly created in response to a need, uh, the way that the classic story would have it. Uh, nor does it predate pale ale. Heavily hot paler beers had been common in the UK long before uh, these were being shipped to India. So those beers might be recognized as IPA in the classic sense, uh, but the term didn't exist yet. He also says that George Hogston, the guy that's kind of credited, uh, didn't invent anything. He wasn't even the first to send pale ale to India. Uh, heavily hopped paler beers uh, were being created. The earliest record of Hodgson uh, sending his first pale ale uh, to India wasn't until 1793, and as early as 1711, there is evidence of pale ales and what we would now call IPAs on the wow. market in uh, in the UK. So, uh, a lot of it, it really has more to do with when the term became popular right. than it does the actual beer or ale itself. But uh, we've been enjoying them, whatever you call them, however you uh, hop them. Uh, we've been enjoying them so far here on the show. We just enjoyed the double IPA, St. Arnold Endeavor. And now it's time to put our big boy pants on and move up to the triples. We're going to we the Founders Devil Dancer Triple IPA. Now, this one just hit the shelves. Oh, a couple months ago, and I haven't tried it yet. And Founders is one of my favorite breweries. Well, I believe you may have said this earlier, but I'll echo it. I have not had a Founders beer that I haven't enjoyed. Everything I've tried from these guys has been fantastic. So this Triple IPA uh, is coming out a darker shade of amber uh, than the Endeavor, double IPA. Yeah, it's so got it's more red darkest, to it, definitely. The darkest and reddest one, I think, that we've tried uh, so far today. And it, it ooh. It wow. has a more malty scent to it, though. It I doesn't have the big floral yeah. scent like you expect from some of the mm-hmm. other IPAs. It has a more malty scent right wow. off the bat. I just took a sip. That's delicious. All right. You talk while I take a sip. That, <laughs> that is. So here's my first surprise. I was expecting this to like knock me in the nose with hops, and it doesn't. Now, I will say on the finish, the hops does come back around to you in a big way. But I was expecting it up front and didn't really get it. I got almost a more... Um, I hate to say citrusy, but I got a more uh, a lighter flavor in the very beginning, and now because I've only taken one sip, but now that hops is lingering big time. It is lingering. There's a lot on the finish on this. However, what's funny about this particular finish is I took the sip, mm-hmm. and I 
uh, enjoyed the flavor, uh, the beginning and the middle. And then when I, when I swallowed, the finish went away and then came right back. Yes. It actually the, had a slight delay. You described that perfectly. Once you swallow it, you, you go, oh, wow, the finish is like, it doesn't really stay with you. And then like 10 seconds later, 20 seconds later, like you, you taste that, uh, Come I, how would you even accomplish such a thing? That's you know? pretty amazing. And I have to say, like, my first sip of this, like, right up front is so malty and hoppy simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just huge. Like, it, it's, I, I don't want to say it hits you like a brick because it's not as abrupt as all that. But, man, it's just a giant flavor right at the beginning of this beer. <laughs> and, uh, and then all through the middle you taste both of those things. They're just, they're right there. And when you swallow, it all goes away. And it comes and back it, up. As it this, comes a creeping back yeah, up. Right, yeah, right as this aftertaste it lingers. And it's a nice, it's a bitterness. Uh, there's a tartness to the to the aftertaste, too, that uh, that leaves you going, I think I want another sip of that. Right. You almost want the other sip to, like, go back to the earlier flavor once that hops is, is lingering on the palate. It almost says, have another drink, which is kind of dangerous. Maybe that's why... Uh, they called this Devil Dancer. I want to read you. It's 12% alcohol by volume, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's big. So I'm glad I've only taken a small sip. But uh, let me read you this from the label of the bottle. Uh, it's Founders Devil Dancer. And it says on the label, I love stuff like this. It says, <laughs> when you dance with the devil, the devil don't change. You do. And then it describes the beer as that. massive in complexity. The huge malt character uh, balances the insane amount of alphas used to create it. An incredible 112 IBUs. It's dry hopped with 10 hop varieties. I'm that's pretty sure that's exactly what I told you just a moment ago. <laughs> that's exactly what I said about this beer. Wow. This is this is fantastic. Complex is a very good way to put mm-hmm. it because I, I this is a quite enjoyable beer it really is this is one i would buy a, a i can't remember if it comes in a four or a six but i would buy it and then it's not a you're gonna drink this all night but one one per evening what know, i, I find interesting that. about this particular uh beer being a triple is i almost look at a triple as being a beer that i wouldn't really like drink it and, and just so i could go oh i'm really gonna enjoy this you you more drink it like to impress the guys that are over, go oh look a triple <laughs> look doesn't it say something? But I actually like this beer. Like I would drink, uh, I would drink this at home, like by myself, watching Law and Order reruns. Like I, that would that would work for me. You know? So now that we've done a, now that we've done an IPA day, we're gonna have to have mm-hmm. a quad ale day then. Mm. So do you think we can find enough quad ales to taste? Are you? Uh... <laughs> I'm sure we can. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead because uh, I don't want to run us out of time. We're going to mm-hmm. try this Ruin 10 from Stone. Stone being one of my favorites. If we're going to do IPAs, yeah. I have to represent Stone. Well, and that's good. Both of us actually brought uh, a Stone uh, IPA to the day today. Uh, you brought the Ruin Stone, 10, which I've not had. So. I believe is one of the masters of the IPA. Mm-hmm. Love and it. They have so many flavors of the IPA. And this is interesting coming from you because you're admittedly not the IPA guy. No, IPAs are not my absolute favorites, but if I'm going to have an IPA, I want it to be this level of IPA. Mm. Now, this mm. is the Ruin 10 triple IPA. Okay, having just some. moved from the Devil Dancer from Founders to the Ruin 10, let's the Ruin see 10. what this what this does to the palate. And I'm glad that we've worked our way up instead of going the other way. That would have been like the wrong way to sort of if go If we started it. This one first, we'd probably say that all the other IPAs taste like water. Wow. 
So I will say this. This is what you want to order when you're at the bar and you want to really like impress the beer nerd that's with you. You want to order something like this. The first line on the back of this says, you are holding in your hands a veritable hop monster. Mm. Its name has been modified to the nickname acquired almost immediately when we released when we released it in 2012, which is funny because I haven't tried this before. I was going to say, I don't, yeah, I, I have not tried this at all. Crazy. Well, this is a very tasty. Um, one of the things I like about every beer that we have sampled today is we've managed to stay away from the category of IPAs that I don't like, which are the ones that are so interested in knocking you over the head with hops that they don't really have anything beyond that. Yes, they're strong and hoppy, but there's not that much complexity. Everything we've had here, even the triple IPAs, the Founders and the Ruin 10, have really had nice complexity to them, don't you think? Well, we've managed to go throughout the day without me feeling like I chewed on a pine cone. Exactly. Uh, now, at one point in time, I did, I did yes. feel like I chewed on a grapefruit rind. However... But see, that was my favorite. That was the <laughs> Mad of Honor. So, uh, well, you know, it just goes to show you. And it's why we wanted to do the IPA show, because we have such different tastes in what we like in IPAs. Uh, I'm afraid when we do the Porter show, we're going to just agree with each other all, all, <laughs> the whole time. Because I think we like the same things in that line. And I have to say, after trying this Ruin 10, uh, this is, again, they have not let me down. This is top of the rock. This is so balanced. They know what they're doing. so good. They know what they're doing. It's so malty. It's so hoppy. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for the IPA show. We've had a really, really good time with this. And we will be doing shows like this for other varieties of beer as well. This would be really fun to do. Uh, Of course, it's not now we're beginning to move into autumn, but it'd be really fun, for example, next year at the beginning of summer to do like a summer ale show Mm -hmm. and just really try a lot of the light crisp summer ales. We are moving into autumn. I'm thinking maybe an Oktoberfest coming uh, up. That would be a good idea. And maybe even something as we move into the latter uh, quarter of the year. Tasting the porters and like the Christmas ales and some of the cool things that will be coming out for the holidays. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. We're Sip, Smoke, and Savor. You can email us, sipsmokeandsavor at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash sipsmokeandsavor. We will be posting photos of the beer, photos of the cigars, and uh, we're looking forward to next week because we have uh, special guests coming in. Uh, your uh, your friend uh, is coming. We're looking in. forward to having a friend from Eureka Heights Brewery Eureka just Heights opened Brewery. up. Yeah, and so. they're doing great. They have some great brews, and we're looking forward to seeing them. All right, sip, smoke, and savor. Thank you, guys. We are out of here. Have a great week.